You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible Prophecy Daily. I'm your host, Jake McCandless. And today, I'm going to try to sell you on a dream. Can I do that? A dream of, and I think this is something we may have not thought about it, but if you are tracking in Bible prophecy, tracking and what's going on and, and seeing that in the world, seeing it maybe unfold, I believe you probably have a heart like me that you would love to see a Maranatha generation raise up. A generation that is ready for the Lord to come, wants the Lord to come, and wants to stand firm in the difficulty that will come at the end of the age. Have you thought about that? I I gotta be honest, it's not something I really thought about. When I first started doing Bible prophecy stuff, uh, pushing about 10 years ago, I always got comments about you know, we don't see many young guys doing this. I don't, I don't get that anymore for some reason. Uh, but you, they're like, you don't really see many young people talking about Bible prophecy. And it's true. I mean, the, the pastors I, friends and those my age I worked with, went to school with, went to seminary with, uh, yeah, it's, it's not, not on their radar. Uh, it would be considered a dirty word. And it's either, uh, you know, that's just a fringe crazy subject out there or it doesn't fit in, you know, to the... What they're doing at their churches, but if it was strange to hear me at that time, thirty-five, talking about it, then it must seem definitely strange to have an upcoming generation that would have it on their radar. And isn't that a shame? Very few, I would say, of us had it on our radar. If you had the chance to grow up in church even grow up in a a strong Christian home, the return of of the Lord, the end of the age, being a good thing, and looking towards that, that being a blessed hope in your life is is, is probably not something that was there. I heard some stuff about the rapture, maybe junior high youth group. We watched that show, A Thief in the Night. Then we had the left behind series books, and that was pretty much it. Pretty much my mindset was, hey, we're going to be raptured, we're going to be taken out of here, and no one can know. No one can know these things. They're too far beyond our understanding. There's too much confusion. So think about that. That leaves a child, I mean, and we, we all have got different backgrounds. We all came to the Lord at different times. But just, just think of a child who's grown up in church, you know, beginning in the, the nursery and the children's church and the early Sunday school and the children's programs and from the sermons and all the and youth group and the conferences and all these things. They're hearing the Bible taught, but nothing's being said about the end other than uh, who knows. <laughs> you know, it's just controversial. Who knows what it's going to be like? Or we're just going to be raptured out of here. It doesn't matter. It's as if we're not telling them the end of the story. (laughs) 
I hope I've piqued your interest. I, I hope that you're like, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. And I know not everyone listening is like me and you have, well, they're not so much young anymore, but children, middle school age children or elementary, but we all have a responsibility with the next generation. We all do. Go back to Deuteronomy 6. Of course, it's, it's talking about to impart these things. It talks about your children, and we, we think of that just being parents, and it definitely is. But it's all of us passing it down, these truths. One of the ministries I partner with and I greatly appreciate is Generation to Generation. You can find them at G2, g2gmandate.org. Daphne Kirk, who leads that, talks about it's not the role of just the parents, just the children's ministry, the youth ministry, but we all have a responsibility for the next generation. And we'll often quote Psalm 45, 17. I will declare your name to all generations. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever. This idea of generation after one generation building up the next generation. Because the reason the next generation doesn't know these things or have heard them taught is because the generation above them is not teaching them. And I think maybe we can say, well, we weren't taught. That wasn't presented to us. Fair? But that's where we change this thing, right? And then you go to Titus 2. And you think about the instructions of, you know, older women teach younger women, older men teach younger women, uh, <laughs> older men teach younger men. There we go. We have this responsibility. And so we have left several generations without the end of the story. One of my favorite Christmas movies is the movie Elf. Anybody else? I, I wish I could see the hands right now. So every year when we put up our, our Christmas tree at the house, we watch our family watches Elf. And one of the things it starts with is the dad in the show, Elf's dad, is a children's publisher. And somebody comes in and they published all these books without the ending. And I feel like that's where we have the, the next generation. It's important. You know, one of the things that, again, if you've caught, caught my last episode, talking about how the centrality, of course, of Israel to Bible prophecy and to the biblical narrative. But when we look out and we see the protest in support of Hamas, support of terrorists against Israel, it's coming from the young people. Several years ago, or a few years ago, I began teaching a seminar called Church We Must Get Israel Right. That's now now been changed to the truth on Israel. Second time I was going to give this, me and my wife were traveling together, and it was about five five-hour drive. And I was telling her, I said, I'm so convicted to give this message, but I don't I don't, can't even tell you why. Like, I'm gonna share this. And everybody there has so many things that they're dealing with, struggling with. I mean, they may get a text in the message of something going on. And here I'm talking about standing with Israel, understanding that. And one of the things that had captured us and really kind of propelled doing that seminar was the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, which begins with an exhibit asking, well, how did the Holocaust happen? And it goes back to the teachings of the church. And so as we're driving and wrestling with that, the conclusion we had is, if before the Holocaust, 
generations had been taught the truth of our relationship and God's continued plan with Israel, it would have been a different story. That just points to one aspect. For the last few years, I have been shifting my ministry focus to the next generation. And I want to tell you, it's been incredible. And that shift is going to really come full circle over this next month. And so starting in February, I believe that's at least the launch date. We're completely redoing Stanford Ministries and going all in on helping parents help their children stand firm. And a big part of that is knowing the end of the story, creating resources. I have two now, Jesus and his white horse and Jesus and his kingdom, two children's books on the return of Jesus. It being a good thing and his millennial kingdom. Of course, you can find them everywhere. Books are sold in that place called Amazon and also find them over on my website, StanfordMinistries.com. Uh, but just super excited. The Lord put this on my heart in 2020. And of course, you know how things went from there. And in August, begin meeting with a team that's helping guide this and just super stoked about unrolling, you know, unveiling this and rolling this out. And the dream is that we could create a Maranatha generation. And I've already seen glimpses of it. It's incredible. Going back even before 2020, I was uh, one of the things I would do often through Stan Firms is I through Stan Firm as I would do a traditional like five day revival. Uh, you know those things we we call it a revival, but you know it's just a series of meetings. But ten would be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and I would teach on Bible prophecy and encourage people to stand firm. And um, one particular one. Um, the final night, I'm going to talk about the Millennial Kingdom. I do a message called Heaven is Better Than We Can Imagine. Uh, that's the clean version. The The real title I'd like to use is Heaven Won't Suck. Uh, but So I'm going to talk about the Millennial Kingdom, details about the Millennial Kingdom. And so, you know, most of it's geared to adults. Most of all the congregations were, you know, were adults. And the pastor comes to me when I get there, and he's like, "Hey, Jake, we're gonna do this youth night Wednesday night, man. It's gonna be really cool. We're gonna get pizza, you know, give the kids pizza, have them sit on the front row, and you know, and and listen to you." And I'm like, "Oh man, this is terrible. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. Uh, it's going to be." And so I went for it. I just begin sharing why heaven won't suck. Well, it's better than we can imagine. And uh, actually, starting in Ezekiel. Uh, 39, where it talks about after this battle of Gog and Magog, which I know we differ in opinions here, but I see as the end of this age, it talks about burying bodies for for a period of time, and it talks about searching for bones for like seven months and marking those bones. And I start there and talk about how cool that is to me because it shows there's this more tangible reality. We're not just going to be floating on clouds. And then went into the much better stuff about the millennial kingdom and then uh, the new heavens, the new earth, and those things, new Jerusalem. And afterwards, this high school senior caught me. He said, hey, I, I, I came tonight because of a girl uh, and pizza. So I guess it worked. Uh, and he said, hey, I, you know, I've been in church all my life. He said, the last couple of years, I just kind of really set all this aside. I just, it just didn't seem like it mattered. And he said, hearing that tonight, hearing that, Heaven's not just some 
like idea, not just some floating around in the clouds, but it's a real tangible thing with this kingdom. Man, it makes me want to live for Jesus. It makes me see this is real. And the dude rededicated his life. That was my first experience of sharing it with the next generation. And I'm like, wow, Lord, that's incredible. And so part of work, my work with Stand Firm, not just teaching prophecy, is also looking into why people leave the faith. And, of course, the biggest group to leave the faith are their children and teens who grow up in our church and Christian homes. Anywhere from 65 to 80% leave the faith by ages 18 to 22. And... The research shows it's ultimately comes down to we're not giving them a big enough story because we don't tell them the end. We don't tell them the blessed hope. Crazy. So this past year, I, I dove into that more and had the chance to uh, speak at some youth groups and just incredible. Man, kids get it. You know, especially when you're reading a children's picture book to them that tells the story. And the thing we didn't expect to come out of Jesus and the white horse is. It presents the return of Christ for the believer as something very positive, which it is. And then the millennial kingdom explanation, and it's just incredible. Like, And so what we've seen with youth groups is, it's just like, aha moment. Okay, I see why I should hold on. I see why I should continue living for the Lord. Ah, there, there is a reward. Oh, the, wow, all this is in the Bible. We shy away from it. Had another interesting moment with a high school uh, high school student. I'm not sure it was a senior or not. Uh, did one of those revivals uh, this past year, and the first thing I do when I, I get there, the, the pastor says, "Hey, we're going to go up to our youth room, and I'm just going to let them ask you questions." Like I hadn't even got to meet him yet. I'm like, "Man, this is going to be terrible," and I mean, it, it kind of was. And uh, so finally, this guy throws out this question. He says, "What about?" This ancient alien stuff. He says, and I hear stuff about some Nephilim and, and stuff like that. Because what we're trying to do with Stanford Ministries is, yeah, we're talking about prophecy, but we're looking at it. What's the gap in the story? The gaps in the stories that we're telling our kids. And the three main areas I see is the end of the age, God's continued plan for Israel, and the unseen realm, the unseen world. And so I said, man, you know, I think there's a biblical explanation to at least some of the stuff and begin to unpack Genesis 6, 1 through 4 and the book of Enoch. And we had a fun discussion and the kids are just like blown away. That's, that's, that's in the Bible. What? A few days later or the end of that, that Wednesday was see at the pole and the pastor went and then he come pick me up for lunch. I didn't go. I was a bum and didn't want to get up early. And he picks me up and he says, Hey, you know, that dude was asking that questions about aliens. That's the first time he's ever talked in, in years of coming to church and being in class. And this morning, he came to Christ. He came to Christ <laughs> from an explanation about Genesis 6, 1 through 4 and the Nephilim and aliens. Why? Because the story got bigger. This summer, I had the opportunity to do a church camp. And so it's ages uh, third grade, sixth grade, something like that. And I just simply told chronologically the story. Started in creation, went to the millennial kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth and new Jerusalem, and revival broke out. I'm I'm not twisting your leg here, twisting your arm. I mean it it did. I 
purposely told the camp, their administration, I said, I'm not going to do an altar call to the last time, the last service. I said, I'm going to tell just chronologically the Bible story, but I'm going to include the end, include some overlooked portions of it. I'm going to do it over these eight sessions, and then I'm going to end with how that we're invited into this story. But before we got there, you couldn't contain it. God moved. It's sixth graders wanting to get this children's picture book because it resonated with them. And I say all this, it sounds like maybe I'm pushing the books and, and those things. Of course, yeah, go get the books. They're good. Quick reads. <laughs> but the hope is, is to stir your heart. Stanford Ministries can't do this alone. What can we do for this next generation? What if? Could, could you dream with me of a Maranatha generation? Now, I would love to help anyone just you know have a conversation about this, how we can how we can how I could help you. It's something we of course we've been tracking with a few years and it seemed like something the Lord has blessed us the opportunity to take these difficult things and and teach it to the next generation. And I encourage you if you're not following um, you know, Facebook, uh, Stand Firm Ministries or Stand Firm Jake, uh, that you would do that. Uh, also hitting Instagram in the coming month a little more um, as we're going to focus on this. But it's it's not just if you have kids or not, not if you're volunteering the children's department or, or not. We all have this responsibility. But what if we could help raise up a Maranatha generation? A generation that's looking for the return of Christ. A generation that's going to stand alongside Israel, not against them. A generation that's going to stand firm in difficulty. A generation that's going to complete the Great Commission. Pretty good dream. Hope I sold you on it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 